pena. Good evening. My name is Michelle and I will be your moderator for this class. Welcome to the Madison, Wisconsin branch school. This is a school and not a church and neither are we affiliated with any religious organization. This school is a nonprofit, non-denominational, religious and scientific research organization dedicated to showing proof of the existence of Yahweh, our Elohim and the operation of his eternal purpose, pattern, and plan operating throughout eternity to this present day. This school was established as a result of a divine vision and revelation given to our founder, Dr. Henry Clifford Kinley in the state of Ohio in the year 1931. We were incorporated in the state of California in the year 1958. We hold classes in the United States, Canada, and certain other foreign countries. The Madison branch was established in 1987. In this school, we use the true, correct, and original name and title of the Father, the Word or Son, and the Holy Spirit, which are contained in the original Hebrew text. The true name of the Heavenly Father is Yahweh. It has been improperly substituted by Lord. The true title of the Word or Son is Elohim. It has been improperly substituted by God. The name of the Holy Spirit manifested in or out of a physical body is Yahshua. It has been erroneously substituted by Jesus Christ. Lord and God are titles and not names. The Apostle Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, tells us in 1 Corinthians 8 and 5 that there are Lord's many and God's many. But we now know that each Lord must have a name and each God must have a name also. Elohim is a title, but unlike Lord and God, Elohim is a divine title. That means that Elohim is the title that our creator chose for himself. Jesus is a name, but it is an erroneous name. A minor investigation on your part into a good dictionary or encyclopedia would prove that neither the Hebrew language, the Greek language, nor the Latin language have any characters or letters in their alphabet that produce a sound that is made by this letter J. Neither was there a letter J in the English language until some 1400 years after the Messiah's death. Therefore, such names as Jesus or Jehovah are impossible renderings of the true and original name of our father and his son. Christ is a title, just like Lord and God. Yahweh is pure spirit, and in this state, he is incomprehensible and inscrutable. He is the ultimate source, substance, limits, and bounds of everything. We have Yahweh in his pure spirit state symbolized on this chart as a cloud. Yahweh is not a cloud. He merely chose a cloud to symbolize himself because a cloud has no particular or descriptive shape and form. We have drawn this cloud all around the edges of this chart to show you that everything on this chart is within the cloud. In like manner, everything in the universe abides within the pure spirit state of Yahweh. Yahweh, knowing that man could not perceive of him in this pure spirit state, took on shape and took on form right within himself as Elohim. This is the word or son, a superincorporeal being 
that is having the shape and form of a man, but without flesh and blood. This form can only be seen in divine visions and understood in divine revelations. Later on, this self-same spirit manifested himself in a physical body and walked the earth plane as Yahshua the Messiah, whom the world calls Jesus Christ. Now there is only one name given unto salvation and we must know that name. So the simple yet intelligent question that we should ask ourselves is, what was the name of the savior during the time he walked the earth plane? A further understanding of this name and title may be had by reading the preface of a holy name Bible. Also at this school, we teach by the divine pattern of the universe. It is called the divine pattern because it is Yahweh's pattern. After Yahweh led the children of Israel out of Egypt, he called Moses atop Mount Sinai and showed him the tabernacle pattern in a vision. Yahweh instructed Moses to build one exactly like it in the wilderness of Sinai. The pattern consists of a most holy place, holy place, and a court roundabout. These three compartments make up the one tabernacle pattern. In this school, we show proof that everything in the universe is made and operates according to the structure and function of this threefold tabernacle pattern, and that absolutely nothing escapes the pattern. The primary constitutional objectives and aims of the Institute are as follows. First up, you find and know Yahweh our Elohim, as he really is and actually exists. Second, to form a nucleus of universal brotherhood of humanity in Yahshua the Messiah, without distinction of race, nationality, creed, sex, caste, or color. Third, to investigate the unexplained spirit law, or so-called law of nature and the powers latent in man. Fourth, to encourage and promote the study of the scriptures, Comparative religions, psychology, philosophy, and modern, practical, and occult science. Fifth, to extirpate current superstition, skepticism, and ignorance. Sixth, to learn, know, and understand the operation of Yahweh's eternal purpose through the dispensations and ages. Seventh, to discern and avoid being deceived by Lucifer, the serpent, the dragon, the devil, or Satan and his demons operating the mystery of iniquity on earth through dispensations of time. Eighth, to earnestly contend for the common salvation and faith, which was once delivered unto the sons or children of Yahweh. Ninth, to make known that Yahweh from the beginning ordained there is no other name given among men whereby man can be saved, saving the name of Yahshua the Messiah. And tenth, to inherit eternal life now in the kingdom of Yahshua the Messiah, with the hope of immortal glorification in the new earth state. Our watchword is peace, and our slogan is speak the truth. Our scripture reading this evening will be Romans, the eighth chapter, and that will please be read by Dr. Delilah Tucker of our Madison, Wisconsin class. And if we could start the evening off with a prayer from Dr. Andrea Volpe from the Oceanside, California class. Thank you. Let us all bow our hearts and our minds. Thank you, Heavenly Father Yahshua, for bringing us again to hear your word and learn something about you. Thank you for the love of the brethren. Please keep the bond of the brethren strong in these last days. We ask all these things in your name. Hallelujah.
Can you all hear me okay? Yes. Okay, I'll be reading Romans, the eighth chapter. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Yahshua the Messiah, who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. For the law of the spirit of life in Yahshua the Messiah hath made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do, and that it was weak through the flesh, Yahweh sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, condemned sin in the flesh, that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us, who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the spirit, the things of the spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace, because the carnal mind is enmity against Yahweh, for it is not subject to the law of Yahweh, neither indeed can be. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please Yahweh, but ye are not in the flesh, but in the spirit, if so be that the spirit of Yahweh dwell in you. Now, if any man have not the spirit of Yahweh, he is none of his. And if Yahweh be in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the spirit of him that raised up Yahshua from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Yahshua from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwelleth in you. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors, not to the flesh to live after the flesh, for if ye live after the flesh, ye shall die. But if ye through the spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, ye shall live. For as many as are led by the spirit of Yahweh, they are the sons of Yahweh. For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of Yahweh. And if children, then heirs, heirs of Yahweh and joint heirs with Yahshua, if so be that we suffer with him, that we may be also glorified together. For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. For the earnest expectation of the creature waited for the manifestation of the sons of Yahweh. For the creature was made subject to vanity, not willingly, but by reason of him who hath subjected the same in hope, because the creature itself also shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of Yahweh. For we know that the whole creation groaneth and travaileth in pain together until now. And not only they, but ourselves also, which have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves grown within ourselves, waiting for the adoption to wit the redemption of our body. For we are saved by hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. For what a man seeth, why doth he yet hope for? But if we hope for that we see not, then do we with patience wait for it. Likewise, the spirit also helpeth our infirmities, for we know not what we should pray for as we ought, 
but the spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings, which cannot be uttered. And he that searches the hearts knoweth that in knoweth what is the mind of the spirit, because he maketh intercession for the sons according to the will of Yahweh. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love Yahweh, to them who are the called according to his purpose. For whom he did for no, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called, and whom he called, them he also justified, and whom he justified, them he also glorified. What shall we then say to these things? If Yahweh be for us, who can be against us? He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall lay anything to the charge of Yahweh's elect? It is Yahweh that justifieth. Who is he that commandeth? It is Yahshua that died. Yea, rather, that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of Yahweh, who also maketh intercession for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Yahshua? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? As it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of Yahweh which is in Yahshua, our Savior. Thank you. Our readers this evening will please be Dr. Gail Josephson of the Green Bay, Wisconsin class and myself. And we'll have Dr. Kelly Gagno on deck for a backup reader from Madison, Wisconsin. Welcome everyone. We're glad that you could join us this evening. Welcome to our different visiting brethren from various classes. We're glad to have you here. Also, we'd like to welcome anyone that's watching us on YouTube this evening. Welcome to class. We will start with a three speaker format with each speaker receiving approximately 35 minutes. And the first speaker we'd like to call on is Dr. Cherie Williams of the Orlando, Florida class. Thank you. Good evening class. Can you hear me okay? Betcha. Okay. Um, it is always an honor and a privilege to have another opportunity to come and sit under this great divine vision and revelation that our Heavenly Father Yahweh gave Dr. Henry Clifford Kimmy in the year of 1931. Without this great divine vision and revelation, we just wouldn't know anything about Yahweh's purpose, pattern, and plan of salvation from the beginning until the end. But because of his mercy and that he did give him this vision and revelation, 
We are blessed to be in this school, getting a knowledge and an understanding of Yahweh's purpose, pattern, and plan of salvation. And that's the bottom line, salvation. That's what this school is all about, is soul salvation. Um, now, we know over in Isaiah 8 and 20, the Holy Spirit speaking through the apostle, I mean, through the uh, this uh, prophet, I'm sorry, speaking through the prophet Isaiah, uh, he states to the law and to the testimony. If they speak not according to this word, it is because there's no light in them. And I know when I was christened and reared up in Mount Moriah Baptist Church in one part of Florida, uh, first of all, I was never taught what the law was other than the Ten Commandment law. But since being in school, we found out that the law consists of the first five books of the Bible, the accredited writer being Moses, which is Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. And the prophets, or the testimony, is from Joshua, truly Joshua, to Malachi, what the world calls the Old Testament part of our Bible, which they refuse to use. But the Holy Spirit says here to the law and to the testimony, if you if they speak not according to this word, and the word is not the Bible, oh boy, that's a whole lecture within itself. The word is Yahweh Elohim himself, which was clearly explained by the moderator. Um, if you speak not according to this word, it's because there's no light in, in you. So if anybody's trying to teach you anything about your heavenly father, and your savior, if they don't give you a witness in the law, a witness in the prophecies, show you how Yahshua fulfilled it and point out the spiritual reality, then the bottom line is they just don't know what they're talking about. So now uh, we know over in John 14 and 26 uh, that Yahshua the Messiah tells the people that he's the comforter, he's the teacher, he's the Holy Spirit, and he's going to bring all things back to our remembrance whatsoever he said unto us, right? So seeing that Yahshua the Messiah is the teacher in this school, and it's also he that taught the founder, you know, in the divine vision and revelation. Because if you have ever read the vision pamphlet, you know, uh, after he had the vision, uh, Yahshua asked him, what is he going to do with what he was seeing? had seen in the vision. And he said he didn't know how to answer. And, and he kept saying, asking him, man, what will you do with, with that which I've shown you? What will you do? He said, I don't know how to answer. And so he said, well, I'll show you. And he took him. He said, I'll show you, you know, uh, the heavens, you see, and the earth. I'll show you the man, you know, and, and, and all these things, which are, are, are the natural things that point to the spirit. So that's how Yahshua teaches going to the law and the prophets and also taking these natural things that we are all familiar with. Uh, and all these things point to Yahweh, Elohim, and Yahshua, the Messiah, and teaches us his purpose, pattern, and plan of salvation. Also, uh, Yahshua, the Messiah, in his ministry, in John 5 and 39, he also taught the people, saying, search the scriptures. For in them you think you have eternal life, and they are they which testify of me. So you have Isaiah saying, in, in essence, search the scriptures. Here you have the Holy Spirit personified in the Savior saying, search the scriptures. Then after he goes through that horrific death for you and I, 
He was buried in Joseph's new tomb and resurrected a quickening spirit. The day of his resurrection, he appears unto two of his disciples that are sad because he had been crucified. And we read in Luke 24, 27, to help them understand what they had witnessed. Uh, he taught them by beginning at Moses, Moses, that's Luke 24, 27. And it says, and all the prophets, Yahshua expounded unto them in all the scriptures, the things concerning himself. So if that's the way the teacher in this school teaches, going to the law and the prophets, you know, and also taking natural things that point to the spirit, then it doesn't matter who it is. If they're not doing it that prescribed way, that was set up not by you and I, set up not even by the founder, but set up by the Holy Spirit himself. You know what I mean? Uh, then they just don't know what they're talking about. You know what I'm saying? All right. So now uh, if we'll pick up the scripture lesson, um, if you start at the first verse for me, please. And and uh, while they're reading that, if the other scripture reader, if you can get, um, I believe it's the seventh A. Um, please go ahead. Romans 8 and 1. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Yahshua the Messiah, who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. For the, law, for the law of the spirit of life in Yahshua the Messiah hath made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do, in that it was weak through the flesh, Yahweh sending his own, own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, condemned sin in the flesh. That the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us, who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. Okay, if you can hold it right there, that would be wonderful. Okay, so here it is, the Holy Spirit through the Apostle Paul. Uh, is saying that there is therefore now, that means present tense, no condemnation to them which are in Yahshua the Messiah, who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. And then he repeats it down here at four, the fourth verse, says that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us, who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. And I can't tell you how many years I sat in class and uh, not understanding this when I would hear it read, when I would hear speakers go into this uh, scripture lesson here. Because um, at that period of time, walking after the flesh, I'm thinking in my mind, like, you know, how we had to stand in single file in line at school, you know, and a person in front of you, they have on a physical body. So to me, that was the flesh. And the first person behind me, you know, he or she has on a physical body, that's the flesh. So I'm thinking, hmm, walk after the flesh. Okay, does that mean following behind a, a physical body? You know what I'm saying? So, mm -hmm. you know, when, when you don't have the guidance of the Holy Spirit, sometimes, unfortunately for some of us, including me, we sit there and we still don't quite get it. You know what I mean? But now since being in class for a while, Yahshua has had mercy on my soul and made me to understand exactly what this is talking about. So now, it, and it, it reminds me uh, a few classes back, uh, I think it was James, the fifth chapter, if my memory doesn't fail me, talking about that hard heart. So we seem to be 
keep coming across this topic. And it must be very important for us down here at the end of this present kingdom age to get this fully understood. So now, um, what is this flesh that he's talking about? That if you walk after the flesh, you're not walking after the spirit. You know what I'm saying? So now this flesh, as we, we went into in previous classes, really is talking about the works of the flesh or that hard heart, as we saw on the brain chart before. But what I want to do, uh, let's go to, this. is it the seventh aim about the Mr. of Iniquity there? Yes. Okay. Aim number seven, to discern and avoid being deceived by Lucifer, the serpent, the dragon, the devil, or Satan and his demons operating the mystery of iniquity on earth through the dispensations of time. Okay, thank you. It says to discern and avoid. In other words, we cannot avoid Satan and his demons if we cannot discern him. In other words, if we cannot recognize him when he shows his nasty head. You understand what I mean? Whether it's at home, whether it's at work, or whatever the case may be. You know, if we cannot discern or detect him and his wicked ways, then we cannot avoid him. So it says to discern and avoid. Read it again. I'm sorry. Read it again. To discern and avoid being deceived. Hold it right there. Being deceived. You see, and, and Yahshua said that in Luke, I mean, in Matthew's 24th chapter, let no man deceive you, right? So it says uh, to discern and avoid being deceived, read on. By Lucifer. By the Lucifer. The serpent. The serpent. The dragon. The dragon. The devil. The devil. Or Satan and his demons operating the mystery of iniquity on earth the dispensations of time all right now that covers the spectrum every uh, uh title that the mystery of iniquity has been given is covered in that aim so now let's just examine it just for a little while let's go over to the very beginning this was revealed to moses in his vision you know and the uh the dean uh, pointed this out. I believe it was the last uh, class talking about um, how that when he was on the floor, it, it was revealed to him that the Exodus came before the Genesis, and that was about all he could say. He just cried or whatever. I just that was so me. That's right. <laughs> so the reality thought I had it all. <laughs> I know that's right. So the Exodus is before the Genesis. So in other words. You know, uh, the children of Israel, they had to be delivered out of Egypt, which is pointed out in, in the book of Exodus, which uh, the translators have that book as the second book, right? But in reality, Exodus is the first book and Genesis is the second book. And Yahshua pointed out through the founder in the Elohim book, that in Exodus 24, 16, uh, where it talks about the cloud covering the mount six days and the seventh day, you know, he came out of the cloud. I'm not quoting verbatim, but those six days, 
is where Genesis belongs. So you really do have the Exodus before the Genesis. And also there's a spiritual reality in that as well. You know, that old wicked got to be cast out first. That's the Exodus before you can get a new beginning in Yahshua Messiah. That's what Genesis means, beginning. Okay, so now let's go to Genesis. Um, I want to pick up over with Cain and Abel. I believe, if I'm not mistaken, is that Genesis 4 and 1? I think it is. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Four. Genesis 4 and 1. And Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bare Cain and said, I have gotten a man from Yahweh. And she again bare his brother Abel. And Abel was a keeper of sheep. But Cain was a tiller of the ground. And in process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought of the fruit of the ground an offering unto Yahweh. And Abel, he also brought of the firstlings of his flock and of the fat thereof. And Yahweh had respect unto Abel and to his offering. But unto Cain and to his offering, he had not respect. And Cain was very wroth and his countenance fell. And Yahweh said unto Cain, Why art thou wrought? And why is thy countenance fallen? If thou doest well, shalt, not, shalt thou not be accepted? And if thou doest not well, sin lieth at the door. And unto thee shall be his desire, and thou shalt rule over him. And Cain talked with Abel his brother, and it came to pass when they were in the field, that Cain rose up against Abel, his brother, and slew him. And Yahweh said unto Cain, Where is Abel thy brother? And he said, I know not. Am I my brother's keeper? And he said, What hast thou done? The voice of thy brother's blood crieth unto me from the ground. Okay, that's good right there. Thank you. All right. So now um, in previous classes, um, ministers have had read over there in Revelations uh, 12 and 7, that there was a war in heaven before the world was. And that uh, Michael and his angels fought against Satan and his angels or demons. But Satan and his demons, they prevailed not. And there was no more place found in heaven, in heaven for Satan and his host. And they were kicked out of heaven. But the question would be, well, why was there a war in the first place? Now, you kind of find out that what happened in heaven was that uh, Satan looked around and he didn't see no angel, no uh, brighter than he was, no more beautiful than he was. And so he deceived himself and began to lie to the angels and tell the angels that he's the mighty one, you know. And then Yahshua stood up and said, no, he's a liar. I am he. So you see, right from the beginning, in pure spirit, Satan is a liar. And then when he lied, to the angels that one third that believed his lot and uh, he caused them to be kicked out of heaven along with him, he murdered them. So he lied and then he murdered in heaven before the world was. So now when you come into the earth plane, you see here with Cain, right? Then he's got to lie because Yahweh asked him, well, where's your brother? And he lies, right? He said, I don't know, am I my brother's keeper? You know what I'm saying? So he's lying to the great creator and he had already murdered his brother, you see. And 
Yahweh was the one that rejected his offering. You get what I mean? But yet, and still, he's mad at his brother. Why are you not even mad with Yahweh? Because he can't get his hands on Yahweh. Yahweh is pure spirit. And he's the creator. You understand what I'm saying? So instead of being angry with Yahweh, he's mad with his brother and kills him. So he's a liar and a murderer in heaven before the world was. So when he's incarnated in a physical body, he's a liar and a murderer. You understand? So it sounds a whole lot like news today, right? Oh, my goodness. We're not even talking about uh, all the lies, you know. I mean, it just don't matter what uh, aspect of life you want to talk about. If you want to talk about the religious world, you know, uh, all the preachers and all, you name it, uh, rabbis, you know, Pope, whatever, just a, a bunch of liars, you see? And then they're murdering the souls by lying to them. You get what I'm talking about? Then you look at the political world. Oh, boy. Lie, lie, lie. Oh, my goodness. You see? <laughs> it's just ridiculous. But they're just a bunch of liars. That's the devil. That's what he does. He's a liar. He's a deceiver. He's a murderer. You get what I mean? So, therefore, when he's in Cain, that's what he did. He killed his brother. That's the first murder on the face of the earth, and he lies to Yahweh about it. So now we're beginning to see how that mystery of iniquity works, right? All right. So now we're going to go down just a little bit further. Let's go on over to, I think it's uh, the sixth chapter of Genesis. Yeah, six and seven. I'm going to eliminate some reading for sake of time because we're going to run out. But it, we know this is about Noah, right? At the end of the antediluvian age, you see, Yahweh uh, found favor in Noah and he gave him a vision and told him that uh, the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continuously. And as a result of that, he said he, shall, he will kill all flesh off of the face of the earth. So what you had going on during Noah's time, they're lying, you know what I'm saying? They're murdering, they're, they're raping, you know, the same thing that's going on, going on in the news today, it's going on back there during Noah's time. Say the, the wickedness of man was just great in the earth. You get what I mean? So we know how it went. Uh, Yahweh, because he's justice, he gave mankind 120 years. And during that 120 years, Noah is a preacher of righteousness, as you read in the scriptures, and he's preaching to the people that is going to rain. It's going to rain for 120 years. And one would question in their mind, well, what's the big deal about it's going to rain? Well, according to the divine vision pointed out to us, and I know I didn't know this before I came to this school, it had never rained before Noah. So in other words, Noah is preaching something that the people had never experienced. They had never seen rain. They never felt rain. They never saw lightning and heard thunder. None of that. A mist from the ground came up and watered the vegetation. That's how Yahweh watered uh, uh, the earth. You see, never rained. So for that 1656 years of the antediluvian age, you got all that water being stored up, you see, in those clouds there. So after that 120 years had expired, then Yahweh told Noah, it's time. You know, the ark is complete now. And, um, and you kind of find out that Noah, he was 480 years old uh, when he had the vision. 
and he had been preaching for about 20 years before the boys were born. You see, he already been preaching for some, some 20 years. And then the boys are born and they grow up and they begin to help their father uh, build that art. And the people helped for a time too. But then it got all the way down to year 19, more and more people falling away, falling away. Year 20, people falling away. Pretty much nobody but Noah and his family is left now. You see, because they calling him a fool and so you just a crazy old man and what have you. So Yahweh told him, go into the ark, it's time. He goes into the ark. He's sitting in the ark. You might as well say like in the midst of a desert. It just seems crazy. Why is this old man got this huge big old boat, you know, in the, in, in the middle of dry ground? You understand what is going on? He doesn't even have the, the boat on the riverbank somewhere. This is a crazy old man. You know what I'm saying? He just appeared to be crazy at the end of that age. So he's sitting in there for seven whole days. You know, the door wide open, still beckoning for the people to come in, come in. If you want to be saved, come in the ark, come in the ark. Whatever, Noah, whatever, Noah. So they wouldn't hear him. So after seven days had passed, it reads in the scripture that Yahweh shut the door of the ark. And you read also in the scripture, when Yahweh shut the door, can no man uh, open it. And when he opens the door, can no man shut it. You know what I mean? So when Yahweh shut that door, that was the end of that. And all of a sudden, the clouds began to get dark, you know. All of a sudden, they, they, they see this lightning flash across the sky, and they're hearing the thunder, and they're freaking out, running around, ducking and hiding. What's going on? What's going on? And then all of a sudden, that rain hit them on the top of their head. Bloop, bloop, bloop. And they're like, uh-oh, this must be that rain Noah been talking about. So now they're looking for the ark, knowing the ark, but it's too late, you know. And it rains 40 days and 40 nights, and the wicked are destroyed. You see, but uh, Noah, uh, the eighth soul, as you read in several places in the scripture, and his family is saved in that ark. It's eight souls in the ark. That's Noah, his wife, his three sons, and their wives, you know, saved in that ark at the end of that age. Now, mind you, too, it hit me here as of lately that, you know, the law had not been given yet now. And that's something to think about. During this time when y'all is talking about the wickedness of man and how you're going to destroy man and all that, because they're just wicked and, and, and you know, the, every imagination of the heart is, is, is just evil continuously and all that. Yeah, we hadn't given mankind no law. This is what Noah, this way before Moses came along. You get what I'm saying? But yet and still, you see, Yahweh had Noah preached 120 years that it was going to rain, gave them 120 years to repent from their wicked ways and to come into this ark, which is the ark of salvation, unto them at the end of that age. You get what I'm talking about? You see? But they chose not to join Noah and his family and go in the ark. So they all were, were destroyed. So you see the wicked being destroyed uh, by Yahweh Elohim, just like he was uh, when he was kicked out of heaven. You get what I'm talking about? All right. So you're seeing that there. Now, when you're going over to Genesis, the 19th chapter, now we're over there in Sodom and Gomorrah. This is also before the law. You see, this is also before the law. But all this is, is teaching us that Yahweh has always hated evil, right from the war in heaven, right from the wickedness in Cain, you know, I'm just picking up high points. 
right with the wickedness of the people in Noah's time. You see, even over here, Sodom and Gomorrah, Yahweh hates evil, even before the law was given. So now let's pick this up, Genesis 19 and 5. Let's pick this up. Now you find out that uh, before this goes down with Lot and his family and the destroying of Sodom and Gomorrah, you got Abraham, if you've done your research, he pleaded for the twin cities. He said, well, Yahweh, if I could find 50 righteous men, will you spare the city? He said, if you could find 50, I spare. And he, he comes all the way down. I think it's 40. I may have the numbers off a little bit. I think it's 40, and then it's 30, and it's, you know, 20, and so on. And he just, he just he couldn't find none except for Lot and his family, which happens to be Abraham's nephew, by the way. Anyway. So now let's read that. You got Genesis 19.5. Now keep yes. in mind, this before the law was given. Go ahead. And they called unto Lot and said unto him, Where are the men which came into thee this night? Bring them out unto us that we may know them. Okay, hold it for a minute. See, now you kind of find out that two angels went to Lot's house to warn Lot and his family about the fact that Yahweh is going to destroy the twin cities, Sodom and Gomorrah. Two men. Now, they didn't look like angels. You understand? They looked like two men that came to Lot's house. So this is what's going on in the city. So they, the, the wicked men in the city, they saw the two men come to Lot's house. But these are angels, like unto the law and the prophets in principle, you understand, going there to warn him about Yahweh going to destroy the uh, the twin cities. And so now here come the men to Lot's house because they saw the angels that looked like men to them going to his house. And what did they say? Read that again. Verse five. And they called unto Lot and said unto him, where are the men which came in to thee this night? Bring them out unto us that we may know them. Okay, now they say they want to know them. Now, y'all remember back there uh, in Genesis, it says Adam knew Eve and she bore a son. So that's the kind of know that they tell about they want to know them. You understand? They don't want to play patty cake or play bridge. You understand what I'm saying? Or have a conversation. No, 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 no. The, the, the same kind of know that brought uh, uh, the birth of, of Cain and Abel is the same kind of know they're talking about. We want to know them. Read on. Verse 6. And Lot went out at the door unto them and shut the door after him and said, I pray you, brethren, do not so wickedly. Behold, now I have two daughters which have not known man. Let me, I pray you, bring them out unto you and do you to them as is good in your eyes. Only unto these men do nothing, for therefore came they under the shadow of my roof. And they said, stand back. And they said again, this one fellow came in to sojourn, and he will needs be a judge. Now will we deal worse with thee than with them. And they okay. pressed sore. Mm -hmm. Oh, go ahead. Keep going. Go ahead. And they pressed sore upon the man, even Lot, and came near to break the door. But the men put forth their hand and pulled Lot into the house to them and shut the door. And they smote the men that were at the door of the house with blindness, both small and great, so that they wearied themselves to find the door. Okay, hold it right there. All right. So he said, uh, Lot, 
which was a righteous man unto Yahweh. You read, have to read it for yourself. He said, don't do such wickedly. You understand? Uh, and that they're seeking the men. You know what I'm saying? He gave his, he offered his virgin daughters unto these wicked men to spare the angels. And you read on down through that. They say, we don't want, we don't want your virgin daughters. We want the men. You understand? But he said, do not so wickedly. You understand what I mean? And they press upon him and all that, trying to break the door in and, and, and get in the house and what have you. So the angels reach out there and they get locked, bring him in the house. You understand? To spare a lot. And then they smoke, the angels smoke uh, the wicked men with blindness that they, okay, five minutes, I see that. That they're, they're, they weary themselves trying to find the door. Now, you see, Yahshua is the door. And, you know, by me, if any man in, enter in, he shall be saved. That's what Yahshua said. So here you got the wicked wearing themselves trying to find a door, but they can't find the door because they have been blinded by the angels. You get what I'm talking about? So you see the wickedness of man is just great in the earth. So what happened? The, the, the twin cities, they were destroyed. They said, told them, don't turn back and look. The wife turned back and looked. She turned into a pillar of salt. Because what she saw had to be preserved, as it were. It was not time yet for that to be uh, expressed to mankind, how Yahweh destroyed the Twin Cities. Then we come all the way down, you see, to Yahshua the Messiah. And we know that he had, um, uh, I think it's Mark, the fifth chapter, you had a man had 2,000 demons in him, you know. And it, they couldn't tame him. They had chained him up. He plucked the chains. He was cutting himself, screaming and hollering and running and carrying on in the, in the tombs and all that. No man could tame him. And Yahweh Elohim, who is Joshua the Messiah, the Savior, right? He asked him, uh, what was his name? He told him to shut up and come out the man. He said, what is your name? He said, Legion. Legion is 2,000 dandelion spirits in that one man. No wonder he was cutting himself and, and, and breaking chains and he had all this strength and all that. But Yahshua cast those demons out of that man. Just like he cast them out of heaven. You get what I'm saying? Just like he destroyed them back there with Noah. You get what I'm talking about? He cast them out. You see? And then they say, don't torment us before time. Let us go into the swine. And he gave them me. So the point of it is Joshua. You know what I'm saying? Uh, 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 um, he has power over the wicked. He can only do what he's allowed to do. You get what I mean? So he gave them leave and they went into the sea, uh, into the swine. They fell in the sea and choked and drowned. And so then Yahshua Messiah, the scribes and the Pharisees, he called them whitewashed sepulchers and full of dead men's bones and calling them hypocrites and all that kind of stuff. You get what I mean? See, so we're talking about the mystery of iniquity and discerning and being able to avoid it. You see, and we talked about it, the works of the flesh. That's what they manifest. We talk about over there, 2 Timothy, the third chapter, the founder talked about in his last public lecture. Those words we need to look up, you understand, and examine ourselves. The scriptures say examine yourself to see if you be in the faith. You get what I'm saying? So I know I did it. Galatians, the fifth chapter. Now look those words up and I examine myself. You know, Timothy, uh, 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 2 Timothy, third chapter. Look those words up and examine myself because that's walking after the flesh. That is the bottom line point here. That is the flesh that mankind is walking after that is displeasing unto Yahweh. But we need to be a full of the fruits of the spirit, which is Yahshua the Messiah in us. 
our only hope of glory. So by the preaching of the unadulterated gospel of Yahshua Messiah, all of that flesh can and truly is cast out of us. And the gift of the Holy Spirit, which is Yahshua the Messiah, is put in us by our knowledge and our understanding. And without Yahshua being in us and we in him, there's no way that we can be saved. There's no way that we can walk after the Spirit unless Yahshua is in us. Because the steps of a righteous man is ordered by Yahweh. So all praises and all glory going to Yahweh our Elohim through Yahshua the Messiah, our Savior. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you. Our next speaker will please be Dr. Rick Ensenroth of the Madison, Wisconsin class. Well, well, let's just start reading at the scripture. Hello. Romans 8 and 1. <laughs> There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Yahshua the Messiah, who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. For the law of the spirit of life in Yahshua the Messiah hath made me free from the law of sin and death. Okay. For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, Yahweh sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin, condemn sin in the flesh. Okay. Stop. <clears throat> so who, who's he talking to here? He's talking to Yashwins, right? Sons, yes. It even says so. So, you know, it's, this thing is so simple. Because the, Romans 1, 19 and 20 says, just read that for me. Romans 1, 19. Because that which may be known of Yahweh is manifest in them. For Yahweh hath showed it unto them. That's it. That's all I need. And Yahweh is spirit, right? Mm -hmm. And a carnal mind is enmity to Yahweh, right? Right. So yes. the only one that can understand spirit is spirit. If you have, if you're talking in languages, and I speak in English, and you don't understand English, you can't understand me. Yahweh's words are spirit, which means they can only be understood by spirit. So how, so we're at a dilemma being people. He set up the old covenant, right? I guess I gotta do it, I'm the charter. Okay. So he set up this old covenant, right? Mm -hmm. And what does it say right on the top of it, on the scholarly part? Carnal ordinances. 
on the bottom, physical. That was for man to do. Those were not spirit in this context. I know they have spiritual incantations or whatever you want to call it, but this is the way it was set up, okay? Yahweh's smarter than us. Then we find out that no man could do them. Man could do it. Why would, it be, why would they have to have the sacrifices? There, nobody would have been sacrificing. That was the whole point of it. Yahweh said there's not one, no no right, not one, not one is righteous. Because righteous to a man, man's righteousness is as filthy rags, right? Yeah. That was righteous. That, that means like being a good person and not lying and being all upright and holy to men, because it is physical. That's not the righteousness that Yahshua came in to fulfill. But anyway, so this was set up. Man couldn't do it. So what does Yahshua, Yahweh do? Sends his own son. Give me John 1 and 1. John 1 and 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with Yahweh, and the Word was Yahweh. The same was in the beginning with Yahweh. Okay, so Yahweh and Elohim are the same. Go back. There. Kind of weird running the charts, too. Okay, so we got up in the upper corner here. I guess I got the pointer too, don't I? Up here's Yahweh, and then here's Elohim coming out of Yahweh, if you will. Now drop down to seven. Or is it 14? Uh, 14, I think you want. Yeah. Yep. And the word was made flesh and this dwelt here among word us. That was the same as this. Was made flesh. And dwelt among us. Right? I know mm -hmm. I'm giving you the Godhead, but there's a reason for it. Okay? Mm -hmm. And then, what does Joshua come in? What's he going to do? Well, previous speaker said that the scriptures were written of, of Joshua. So we go now, let's just do a simple thing here. John. What does he call Yahshua when he's going to baptize him? The Lamb of Yahweh. Get it for me, though. John 3 or whatever. John 1 and 29. 1 and 29. Okay. The next day, John seeth Yahshua coming unto him and said, Behold the Lamb of Yahweh, which taketh away the sin of the world. Okay. So he calls him a lamb. Right? And he's come to take away the sin of the world. In other words, he's come to give salvation. Okay? So what do we, we go over here? Down in Egypt, right? And we got the Passover. And we know about it's a lamb. It's got to be inspected and all this. And Joshua was brought up before Pilate and 
nothing found wrong with them. Got the blood on the top, two sides, and the basin on the inside of the door, not on the outside like they depict in the Ten Commandments. Well, whatever. Because where's your blood? It's on the outside or inside? Better be on the inside or you're dead. <laughs> so then we got Yahshua on the cross with the crown of thorns, nails, nails, nail. Right? Four points of blood. What did this one come to do? So. Take away the sins of the world or be salvation mm -hmm. at that point. It's really what it's all about. So what happens here? They get up. They spoil the Egyptians. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go to the Red Sea. Three days to get there. He was dead. Buried for three days. And then rose. So what happens here? They're up against the sea on the third day. Pharaoh's behind them. Yahweh kicks up a wind and tunnels through the water, not no flipping over stuff. <laughs> they go through, so they had salvation. What happened to the, the Pharaoh? Got drowned. That's the same thing that happened in heaven. Okay. Now I'm going to go back. This one here. So, yes, Yahweh put himself in a physical body. Right? Mm -hmm. okay, what happened with Dr. Kinley? You hear it right. And the previous speaker brought it up about the fact that uh, he had the vision and revelation, and Yahweh's son of man, what are you going to do with it? I don't know. Three times. And what did Dr. Kinley, and he told him to teach, teach my people. But what did Dr. Kinley say? Yashua just jumped in my body. And, that, and he also made a statement that if you knew me before 1931 or whatever, well, you don't know me now. Something to that effect. There was a if you didn't change. know me before. Right. That's all he's doing. What did he do on the day of Pentecost? Get it, sitting in the upper room. This is how simple it is. Pentecost, upper room, we're please. Getting, we're getting there. Um, Acts 2 and 1. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire, and it sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And That's began it. That's it. He just got in them. Back in the Noah and the prophets, give me that um, where it says the scriptures were written as oh, Yahweh moved, that Yahweh yep. moved them or whatever. It's somewhere in one of the Peters. You know, it always says that the uh, 
Word came under one, this one and the word came under that one. One and 20. Okay. I think it's second Peter one and 20, try it. Okay. Yep, second Peter one and 20. Knowing this, knowing this first, that no prophecy of the scripture is of any private interpretation. So you can't read up on it. You can't figure it out yourself. Why? Keep going. For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of Yahweh spake as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. As they were moved by the Holy Spirit. He jumped in those boys, said what he had to say, and got out. Wasn't permanent. Then we get up to this, this here with the ordinances chart. It says right here, Yahshua nailed it to the cross. He finished. What? Give me that. That um, it's finished. Where's that? And what did what did he come to do? That's in that first part with um, John the Baptist too. What did? Yahshua tell him about I need to be baptized of you. Suffer it to be so now. Hmm. Because thus it becomes us to fulfill all righteousness. Thank you. I didn't need, really need the scripture. That's okay. Hmm. Came in to fulfill. And, and when he got up on that cross and died, he said it's, old, it's done. Then he got buried, resurrected. 53 days later, whatever it is, is when that Pentecost came. Now, we're fortunate to live in this time. Because back then, it wasn't permanent. And they got, they got it. Don't worry about it. They got picked up down there, but this is the end times. And our only hope is to have Yahshua in us. Do you see what I'm saying about how easy, simple this thing is? He just, he just gets in you and that's it. You don't, you're captive to him. Whether you want to be or not. But you're going to end up wanting to be because you got to have the love and the love that only spiritual love. You can't, a carnal mind can't love it. it just you don't have the right stuff. I know this is all a little screwy, but. It's, I just see how simple it is. And how blessed we are to been given it. Not going to go much longer. You know me, I'm short breath. So somebody else can clean up my mess, Dennis. Thank you.
Our next speaker will please be the Dean of the Madison, Wisconsin class, Dr. Steve Gagno. Okay, unmuted. Good evening, everybody. Uh, I've thoroughly enjoyed class so far and uh, you know, you can't understand what's going on in Romans. There is therefore now no condemnation to them that are in Yahshua, unless you've gone through uh, coming to class. First, you have to believe that yeah, their first name is to help you find and know Yahweh, our Elohim, as he really is and, and actually exists. You have to know and understand that he is. Uh, get for me uh, John 5 and search the scriptures. 5 and 39. Please. Thank you. Um, just getting there. Yeah. Search the scriptures. For in them you think you have eternal life, and they are they which testify of me. So if you go out in the world and you ask people, what are the scriptures? You'll get a lot of different answers. People don't understand. We know what the scriptures are. When he's standing there, you know, he's, you, the script, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and Paul, and Peter, and all of them weren't written yet. The only thing they had was the law and the testimony, like Cherie said, to the law and to the testimony. If they speak not according to this world word, it is because there's no light in them or revelation of truth in them. So first you have to understand that he is, and, and Cherie's went, uh, and went through a lot of that, and then she talked about Cain and Abel, and she talked about the seventh aim is to discern. Well, how are you going to discern unless you know something? So we, people come down to this school to learn something about their creator. And uh, I'd like, uh, what is it? Uh, Yahweh is spirit and they that worship him. Uh, what is that, John? I can't, my brain isn't John working. four and 20. Pick it up at one or something, 23 or wherever that is. But the hour cometh? Yeah, do that. That'll work. Okay. John four well, and 23. I want Yahweh is spirit, but. Okay. That's the, that's the next verse. I can do just 24 if you want or pick it up at 23. No, I want them all. Okay. John 4 and 23. But the hour comes and now is. That's us. This is the now is. We're, uh, we're, if you know the ages and dispensation chart, we're under, we're past Noah. We're past uh, the law of Moses. And we're past the death, burial, resurrection of Yahshua the Messiah. And... He says, now the hour comes and now is, read. When the true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. Why? Keep reading. The answer is next. For the Father seeketh such to worship him. Because he seeks to be worshipped in spirit and in truth. Read. Yahweh is spirit. Not doesn't have spirit. He is spirit. And you go back to your Moses chart and we were looking at that cloud and we know through study and, and looking spirit, it, wisdom is spirit. This is the definition of what spirit is. Yahweh doesn't have wisdom. He's the sum total of it. So on and so forth of knowledge, intelligence, love, beauty, all of these attributes 
make up what Yahweh is. He is spirit. We don't have a spirit detector. We can't say, oh, there goes some love. There goes Yahweh. I see some knowledge. We're, you know, we're just handcuffed. So Rick had Romans 1, 19 and 20, and we'll read the whole thing real quick. Did I finish the spirit? Uh, is there another line there? There's just a little bit more. Finish Yahweh it. is spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. See, the, the word is must worship him. He's saying must. It's a must. So you're, you're, you're at a disadvantage. So he tells us how. He says, search the scriptures, for in them they think you have eternal life, and they are they which testify of me in John 5, 39. And the scriptures are the law and the testimony. So when we see some, I'm just trying to pick up some of the things Sharice went, you know, Noah's Ark. The Ark was the vessel of salvation. It was three-tiered. It had one door in the side and one window. Everyone went in through the side. You know, it typifies the tabernacle is a threefold tabernacle. There's only one way into the tabernacle. Wide is the gate that leads unto destruction. One way in, one way into the ark. It's threefold. You know, there were three things he asked man to build. Uh, Noah's ark, the tabernacle, and Solomon's temple. And all of them were threefold. He's just trying to show you that Yahweh, it's Yahweh Elohim, Yahshua. These three are one. Blood, water, spirit, 40, they agree in one. Death, burial, resurrection, they agree to the nature of Yahweh. These are the witnesses. We're trying to, you know, this is the gospel, the good news that Yahweh has come down and he's allowed us to see something about something we can't see through the witnesses, through these examples, so that we can say, wow, Yahweh's real. He, he intended, he gave his name to a, um, Moses at a burning bush, you know, this is my name forever. We understand that his name, you breathe his name. You start to see something about Yahweh. And this is, this is how you come into believe that he really is and discern. He, he, the thing that uh, Teresa, you know, do you want to discern and avoid being deceived by Lucifer? Well, first you have to understand Yahweh. Yahweh you know, he just doesn't mince words. He, I'm Yahweh, the same yesterday, today, tomorrow. You know, he gives witnesses for everything he does. There's a witness for it. And we start to understand that this book is put together to point out Yahweh is salvation. Because that's the purpose. That's why he's called a lamb. Because a lamb dies for your sins. All these things start coming together and painting a picture that Yahweh is real. So now when we jump over to Romans, the eighth chapter, after the Holy Spirit is poured out in the hearts and minds of men, and they are different now. The Holy Spirit is permanent in man. The apostles followed Yahshua a lot around, and he fed them and took care of them, and he was their comforter. And in John, the 14th chapter, he says, I'm going to go away. And they're thinking, what? Where are you going? They're upset by this information, but he had to go away to end a covenant that was made with the Jews, which those people were, and the children of Israel. He made a covenant with them that he would be their El and they would be his people, but they had to keep the covenant. They couldn't keep it. They were all sinners. They were all uh, defiled, basically. They had no righteousness. 
they, Yahshua, all righteousness was contained in him. This was given so that you could see an example that you can't do this thing. You can't even be true to yourself. You know, people, we were so different before we came in here. And after you've been here long enough, you see that he's been writing in you this, this thing. And, and you, you see a difference. People that you knew 20 years ago or so, and you'd run into them, you're different. You're not the same person. Yeah, you like the same music and this and that, but you're different. When, when, when the squeeze is on, you speak in wisdom. You, you, you don't rattle like the rest of the world. You have understanding, something that's comforting you, that Holy Spirit. And we've all come to this place or should have come to this place and recognize what it is that's operating in us. And so therefore, Paul is talking. I want to get to this Romans, the eighth chapter. Read for me. Therefore, there is now. Read. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Yahshua the Messiah. Who walk not after the flesh. So the first covenant was given to them at Mount Sinai, like we have this picture. He spoke down to these people, and it would be their righteousness. And they had condemnation. Condemnation is like separation from Yahweh, guilt. You know, be a Catholic. I was raised Catholic. They were great with guilt. They were just constantly going and telling your sins. Where'd they get that from? Because under the law, people couldn't keep it. They had to bring a sacrifice to the priests and confess their sins. Well, they picked that up, the Catholics, and they brought it over in the new covenant. Because all they could see was the flesh. And they had people doing this. I was one. The reason I hated being a Catholic was having to confess sins. I couldn't understand why I was telling this guy. I would go in there and lie every time I, I went to the confessional. I went to make up something because I wasn't going to tell that guy what I was doing. I just made up some simple things and then I just stopped going. I just couldn't see it. I couldn't get past confessing to some man on the underside of that curtain that I saw walking around in the halls of the school. I just didn't get it. But therefore, now there's no condemnation. Why? Because Yahshua put an end to that law of sin and death, and he poured out his spirit. He is what that law represented. Now he's in you, causing you to walk upright. So now if Yahshua be in you, there's no condemnation to them which are in Yahshua. Or Yahshua's in you, you're in him, whatever you want to say. But he's doing the work, and he's revealing these things. Just like I said, you come down here and we preach this gospel. You have to see Yahshua, not somebody on the floor teaching you. After a while, you recognize the witnesses point out Yahshua. Doesn't point out your dean. Who cares about your dean? You know, if he's doing his job, he's pointing out Yahshua. And that's what you want to see. So there's no condemnation to them or on Yahshua who walk not after the flesh. You know, I like Cherise. Walk after the flesh. I'm walking in single file and there's somebody in front of me. So she's always trying to skip to the front of the line. So she's not behind anybody. I know how you are, Sharice. Went to the front of the line. But anyhow, that was a cute example. So read uh, two. For the law of the spirit of life. In Which is different Messiah. than the law of Moses. The law of the spirit of life, read. In, in Yahshua. Yahshua 
hath made me free from the law of sin and death. The law of sin and death was Moses. You did something, you were guilty, you bring a sacrifice. It did, and in Hebrews, uh, what is it, nine and nine or something, it did nothing pertaining to the conscience. What the law couldn't do anything to the inner man. It couldn't take away the guilt that was in you. You couldn't keep it. You were constantly coveting. You were constantly breaking this thing. Try not to covet something, you know, lust after something or, you know, especially whatever. I ain't going to go any further with that. Just coveting. I always think How you covet everything you see. You, you just covet the flesh. That's what you're seeing. So read three now. For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh. Mm -hmm. Yahweh sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh. He was made of a woman made under the law. That's Galatians uh, 4 and 4 or something to that effect. He was made of a woman made under the law. He came, humbled himself down into the, he was a Jew. Made, came from Mary and Joseph. Rose up. When he went to the baptism, he went to John. Everybody was confessing sins. Joshua says, I got none. John goes, wow, I need to be baptized of you. And he said, suffer it, John. I'm fulfilling and so on. And that's what he did. He, 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 he spoke the law in and you know, there's so much you can go into not where it talks about if a woman vows a vow and, and her husband hears it in her presence and doesn't disallow it. Yahweh heard them say, all that you say, Yahweh, we will do. And he allowed them to do that. That meant he was liable because he was the husband. They were the bride. He had to come down and bring this thing to an end. It wasn't meant to be permanent. Nothing physical is meant to be permanent. It showed that Yahshua, Yahweh is righteousness, not you. And that's where we're at past this cross. At this time, we, after Pentecost, the lights came on for those that were sons. Even on the day of Pentecost, you know, when the, it talks about the veil was rent in twain and the, the forefathers, you know, Adam, uh, Noah, all of these people walked into Jerusalem and preached, it says, for 40 days. And then 53 days later, Pentecost was poured out. They, everybody got the Holy Spirit at that time. The ones that were saved by faith, you know, Abraham was faithful Abraham, you know, and so on and so forth. Read in Hebrews, all the faithful, 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 faithful. They received it. All of this is represented in that candlestick. Where's the oil come in? And you look at the tabernacle and there's the, and the seven branch land stand. The center branch is when the oil is poured into. That's the fourth age. That's where Yahshua came in. And when he, the oil is poured backwards and forwards to us. It picks up everybody, that lampstand. This pattern is just full of stuff to learn from. But that's where they are. That's where they are with Paul. And we're in the same age as Paul. He is in the beginning. We're still in that same age. We're trying. This is getting closed out pretty soon. So we need to know some of these uh, for what the law could not do. So what does that tell you? You got no righteousness. You can't do a thing. You can't make yourself believe this. You can't make yourself understand this. It's all by revelation. It takes a revelation from Yahshua so that you can see 
you know, people always say, see this, see this, see this. What do you want to see? You want to see Yahshua. See, do you see, you know, for what the law could not do that it was weak. Yahweh sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh for sin, condemns sin in the flesh for that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us. So now the righteousness of the law is in us. It's fulfilled in us. It wasn't vain words when Yahweh spoke it. He brought it to an end and poured out his spirit. He, the, the plan of Yahweh is so perfect, so beautiful, um, so consistent. Same yesterday, today, tomorrow. He doesn't change his mind. He doesn't think he did a bad deal or anything. His plan is perfect. And you watch, when you come down to class 10, 20, 30, 50 years, you see the per perfectness of Yahweh. You, you can stand still and see his salvation. You can stand in this thing. You can go through trials. You know, you can, Abraham had to offer up Isaac. He was faithful Abraham. You know, he was allowed to do that because he'd already seen how he was given Isaac after his de Sarah's dead womb and, and so on and so forth. And he, these are examples for us to see that Yahweh is faithful, keeps his promises, all these things. So to be carnally minded is death. To be spiritually minded is life and peace. And this thing, there's so much in, in this Romans, the eighth chapter, but to jump in here and, you know, when people are going to come on and see these lectures and you have to set a foundation and, uh, you know, I'm scrambling just to kind of, give the last speaker some time and, and set up some of these things a little bit, but uh, I, uh, I just have been in awe for over 35 years coming, excuse me, coming down to this class, you know, when they told me you breathe his name and I went, <sighs> I went, wow, <laughs> that is amazing. <laughs> and that was like the first thing I heard. You know, and then it went on, you know, the tabernacles and Godhead and wow, the mystery of iniquity. He's a creation and Yahweh's always wins. You know, it looks like he's going to win the mystery of iniquity, but Yahweh always wins. And, you know, it's you watch TV and you see these wrestling, you know, the good guy always wins in the end. You know, all these things are showing something about Yahweh and the world just doesn't quite get it. And we've been privileged to see the preaching of the gospel and in the creation and in just science and everything is pointing out, you know, uh, I, I had some scientists in our class over the years and talking about, you know, what are those cells in the brain called Sasha uh, angels or astrocytes or, you know, just things that are in the body that just amaze me, you know, T cells. And I don't know, I had too many people that, taught us science i never even took biology that's how much i liked it but i could understand it when you put it towards the purpose of yahweh you put it towards the purpose of yahweh you put it towards the thing and to be carnally minded is death you know they're worried about babies and they're killing babies and i'm thinking you're all dead anyhow <laughs> yashua ain't lost any of his you know i'm not into abortion but i just think they don't even know how to read their book and they don't even know what life, the description of what life and death is. You know, there's just no way to have a conversation 
with people who are not in this class and have it really make any sense because this whole thing is about Yahweh, 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 and then about Yahweh. So with that, I'm going to turn it over. I didn't put it in the chat, but I, I would love my next speaker to be the Dean of the Oceanside class, Dr. Dennis Volpe. Thank you for the time. Thank you very much. I trust everybody can hear me okay, I'm hoping. Yes. Okay. Uh, well, I'm just going to pick it up from where the other speakers left off because I thought there were a lot of great uh, points that were made. And I want to say that when you're reading the book, or the book, the chapter, the Romans, the eighth chapter, you have to bear in mind that it is a continuation of the seventh chapter. Now, what Paul is doing in the seventh chapter, and really even in the eighth chapter, he is contrasting the two natures. The nature that he had before he had the Holy Spirit, and the nature that is a result of the Holy Spirit. And that contrast is necessary for us to understand what pleases Yahweh. Now, I'm going to start out. I want to have you go over and get a scripture for me. I want you to run over to Jeremiah, the 17th chapter. And I want you to start at verse 9. Actually, I want you to read 9 and 10. Jeremiah 17 and 9. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Now, that, that right there, that scripture, when people read that, if they read their Bible, they're thinking that that's talking about somebody else, not them. That that's talking about, you know, Pharaoh back there that uh, uh, was the enemy of Israel and uh, any other wicked person you read about in the Bible. And they don't think that that's about them. But the truth is that we didn't even recognize or have a clue that when we walked in this room, our founder used to say to us, you walked in here, DOA, dead on arrival. And we didn't even really know what constitute death because, of course, from our carnal perspective, we would think that death means there's no brain waves and the heart is stopped. But Yahweh's definition of life and death are completely different. It's on a spiritual level. It's not the condition of the human body. You can be walking around with the healthiest human body in the world and be dead as you can be in your soul. Now, we came in dead on arrival, meaning we were carnally minded, completely not conscious of the existence of Yahweh or know anything about him as he actually is and truthfully exists. And as we found out, from coming to class, that in John 17, that eternal life was to know your creator. And we didn't have that, which means we didn't have eternal life. If we didn't have eternal life, well, well, then we're as good as dead. Now, to, to make things even more pronounced, we find out that the problem lies that we walk in with a stony heart. Now let's go over for a minute, uh, no, hold your finger there, and my other reader, I think that's Michelle, get me Ezekiel 36, 24. Ezekiel 36, 24. 
Ezekiel 36 and 24. For I will take you from among the heathen and gather you out of all countries and bring you into your own land. Now listen, you know that when Israel became a bona fide country again, or nation, back, I think it was 1948, when they captured, uh, uh, they captured that land that was once called Palestine, and then they were recognized as being a accepted country or nation by most of the world, not everybody. They think that that's a fulfillment of this scripture. Because to the Jew, I'm talking about the natural Jew, they believe anybody that is not obviously uh, a descendant of Abraham or descendant of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, that that makes you to be a Gentile and not acceptable to God. So that thinking is the way they interpreted this scripture that God was going to give them that area that we call Canaan's land or modern day Israel. Now this scripture is not talking about the piece of dirt over there that we call the, uh, the nation of Israel. It's not about, quote, the holy land. And the truth is that that land over there that everybody goes to, make they make pilgrimages to, or you know, a, a trips to that. Uh, they go see uh, uh, the, uh, the religious sites and so on. And people even, uh, there's people selling in Israel or selling little bags of dirt that you can bring back so you have holy land with you wherever you go. Now, there's nothing holy about any of those things. They don't understand, ladies and gentlemen, because they're carnal. That what he said, I will gather you, I will take you from among the heathen. That the heathen are those that know not Yahweh. And that's in Jeremiah, the 10th chapter. Which made... And, and listen, we have people that are Jewish in our organization, in our class, that are members of this gospel, that their testimony is that they never knew a thing about their creator until they came into this teaching. They were a heathen, as well as I was a heathen. Now, when Yahweh said, I will get, take you from among the heathen and gather you in your own land, that land that was back there under what we call the, the, the time of Moses and the time of Abraham that they called Canaan's land was not the land that Yahweh was talking about. Canaan's land was a figure of Yahshua the Messiah or us dwelling in him in spirit and in truth. Now, he was talking about gathering souls unto Yahshua here. And here's what he said. Keep reading where you left off. Verse 25. Then will I sprinkle clean water upon you, and you shall be clean from all now, your filthiness. And all your idols. Go ahead. And all and your idols. all your idols will I cleanse you. Now watch. People think that that's why you have to be baptized in physical water. What they don't know is that you being baptized, and I don't care if you were baptized in the Jordan River, that does not cleanse the soul. Yahweh is all about the inside of you, not the outside. 
cleaning your inner man up, causing something to happen down inside the depths of your heart and mind. That's what this purpose is about. Now, what he did on the outside during the time that it was applicable in the purpose, such as John the Baptist going out and baptizing people in the River Jordan, those people went in that water guilty with their condemnation, were dunked in the water. When they went in, they were dry and full of condemnation. When they came out of the water, they were wet and full of condemnation. The condemnation was not gone from them being put in the Jordan River. No more than it was when you as a Catholic, or I when I was a Catholic, going into a church and blessing ourselves with what they called holy water, cleaned our conscience up and made us feel righteous after that point. Now I want you to know that that water that he's going to sprinkle upon you is living water. And that water is not physical. It's spiritual water. You say, well, what is spiritual water? Yahshua said, He that believes on me, as the scriptures have said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. Now what he's talking about is the gospel that is being preached after the day of Pentecost, according to the law and the prophets, has the power to go inside your inner man and cleanse you and clean you up, ladies and gentlemen. That's what that gospel has the power to do. So he said, I will sprinkle clean water upon you. He didn't say your minister was going to do it. He didn't say the rabbi was going to do it or the priest was going to do it. He said he was going to do it. And I will cleanse you from all your idols and from all your filthiness. Keep reading. A new heart also will I give you. Now I'm gonna now listen. He said, I'm gonna give you a new heart. Well, why does he have to give you a new heart? What's the matter with the old heart? What's the matter with the heart that you walk in the door with? Uh 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 Gail, you still at that, that verse you read for me? I want you to read it again. Over yep. in Jeremiah seventeen. Yep, seventeen and nine. The heart is deceitful above all things. That's your heart and my heart. It's deceitful above all things. Read. And desperately wicked. And it's desperately wicked. Because the heart, Yahshua said, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And good fruit proceedeth out of a good heart, and wicked, uh, evil fruit comes forth from an evil heart. And Yahweh, uh, our, our Paul reads over there, talks about over there in Romans, the third chapter, that when the children of Israel were in the wilderness of Sinai, after Yahweh delivered them from the hand of Pharaoh, and they came back with a false report, some of the, the spies that went up to the land of Canaan, saying that we can't take that land that Yahweh had promised us. And the people refused to believe the testimony of Joshua or Yahshua, the son of Nun, and Caleb, who said, we can take it, Yahweh will deliver it in our hands. The people rejected what the two true witnesses said. And Paul said they had a wicked heart of unbelief. Now I want you to know that when we walk in the room, we have a hard heart, ladies and gentlemen, 
keep reading over there in uh, Ezekiel uh, 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 Ezekiel 36 where you were. Keep reading. And a new spirit will I put within you. And I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh and will give you a heart of flesh. Now look, he's going to take away that stony heart. Well, a stony heart is a reference to the heart being hardened. I'm talking about stiff-necked and proud and will not accept correction or chastisement with the truth that is set up by Yahweh's own words in the Law and the Prophets. And we walked in with a proud heart, ladies and gentlemen, thinking every thought that we think we believe was, was absolutely correct and right and true. And you come in this class, and for a lot of people, it was tough for them to hear the things that were being said because people, I know of people in our organization now that are deans, that are uh, ministers, that are great preachers that talked about when they first walked in the door. They walked in to disprove this teaching. And while they were sitting there, and things were being said that they could not dispute, they couldn't argue with it, they couldn't deny it. It was a fight inside of them to admit that they were wrong and to let go of what they thought was right. Now that, that, that's the way we are. See, uh, the devil has got a hold on your heart and you don't even know that. The Bible says, it talks about over in, in the book of Revelation, that he deceiveth the whole world. That Lucifer deceives the whole world. And you think to yourself, well, I wasn't deceived. Well, see, that right there is one of the reasons why you were deceived. Because when you're deceived, you don't even know that you're being deceived. If you did, then you wouldn't be deceived. Right. You are deceived and don't even know it. And you're deceived with your own theories, concepts, and opinions. You follow? And if you look at this chart right here, if you blow it up a little bit at the bottom of this heart in the center, you're going to see on both sides of the bottom of the chart, on the left side it says opinions, traditions, imaginations. On the other side it says concepts, customs, and theories. Now what those words were for, that's defining these pieces of hard rock that are being broken off of the heart, that are falling away. You are lose, you're going to lose your... Uh, you're going to have to relinquish your opinions, your traditions that you think are righteous, your imaginations, your concepts, your customs, and your theories. And that's what we're breaking off of you when you walk in that door. And we're preaching something with such power and conviction and with evidence and witnesses to support it that we feel confident that we can stand up and challenge you to refute it. And it's not done... In a, in a belligerent way. We're not trying to be mean to you. We're not trying to belittle you. We're simply trying to chase away that mystery of iniquity who's got a hold on your heart and allow you to be able to be humble and to be able to accept correction and learn the things of Yahweh that have come from his own mouth, not from Dennis's mouth or Steve or anybody else, and he, not even from Dr. Kinley's mouth, but from the mouth of Yahweh himself as he spoke in his purpose and his witnesses down through the law and the prophets. Now we walk in with a heart, as far as Yahweh's concerned, that is desperately wicked. 
and deceitful above all things. You say, well, I wasn't a liar. Well, you know what? It was, pre it was brought out last night in our class in Green Bay, and I was there when Dr. Kinley made the statement. He said, if you do these three things, you will be saved. If you're honest with yourself, honest with, your, with Yahweh, and honest with your fellow man. The problem is we lie to ourselves, ladies and gentlemen, and we believe our own lies. Then we easily will pass those on both to our fellow man and even Yahweh. Because pride and arrogance rule in our hearts and we don't want to admit we're wrong about anything. That's just the way it is. Now we have to be able to accept correction. In Hebrews the 12th chapter, Paul says that Yahweh chastens every son that he receives. And if you be without chastisement, then, you, then you're then uh, a bastard, is what it says in your Bible. Now, we have to accept correction. We have to be humble enough to receive correction. And that takes help to do that, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, back off on this for a minute. I want to, uh, this chart, back it back down because I want to show you. Up there, uh, you see where it says in the, on the left side, it says hate, greed, carnal mind, strife, liar, unruly, envy, and another uh, word that I've seen in some of them is prou proud or pride. All of that is what exists within us when we walk in the door. Now on the right side, we have things that are representing a different nature. We have love, spiritual mind, life, truth, obedience, humility, stability, circumcised, just, peace, joy, chaste, meaning we're able to accept chastisement, pure. This is what is the uh, aspects of a new nature. So we have a contrast right on this chart of both the seventh chapter of Romans, where Paul is talking about himself before he knew about Yahshua the Messiah. How that the very things he was telling other people to do, not uh, to do, he wasn't doing himself. And what he told people not to do, that he did. And he said, oh, wicked man that I am, who shall deliver me? Now, when Yahshua caused Paul to be struck down on the ground there on the road to Damascus and caught him up and gave him a vision, and then a subsequent revelation three days later with the Holy Spirit, that man went through a humbling. And he talks about that in Philippians, I believe it is the second chapter where he talks about, if any man can boast, I the more. He said, I was of the uh, uh, nation of Israel, of the stock of Benjamin. I was a Pharisee of Pharisees, touching the righteousness and the law. See, these are all the things he boasted in himself about, thinking he was acceptable to, to as he knew him back then, Adonai or whatever. The problem is that he had not had any understanding of Yahweh's purpose. And so there was a great humbling that took place in, in him, and Paul later says in that same chapter, after he lists all the credentials that would give him cause to boast, how he counted it all as dung for the excellency of Yahshua the Messiah. Because he realized all these things on the right side that are now taking place in him are a result of Yahshua giving him the Holy Spirit and giving him an understanding. 
And he recognized that we have to change, ladies and gentlemen. Yahshua told Nicodemus, he said, you must be born again to see the kingdom of Yahweh. He didn't say so you could get into the kingdom, to see it. Because the kingdom does not come with observation. That means you can't see it, not with a carnal mind. But you can see it when you become spiritually minded as it is being revealed by Yahshua himself to you, in you. That's the kingdom being shown to you and you need to be born again to see these things. And we have a favorite saying around here. We will get up and talk about things and we'll try to express things and teach you things and we'll say this while we're on the floor. We'll say, do you see? Do you see? You see now? Dr. Kinley would say that all the time. Now, he didn't mean, are your eyeballs working okay? He's talking about, do you understand? Understanding is spiritual sight, ladies and gentlemen. And listen, when you are understanding the, the principles of this teaching, we call it seeing, but seeing is a result of sight. Now, you were blind when you walked in the door. You didn't even know it. Not only blind, I'm going to say it like it really is. You were blind, deaf, and dumb. You couldn't hear the truth. The scripture tells us over in Psalms, the 19th chapter, that the creation speaks to us day unto day. It's uttering speech. And night unto night showeth forth knowledge. None of us heard that. None of us saw it. We were blind. We were deaf, and certainly we couldn't speak about it because we didn't know nothing about it, which means we were dumb. Dumb means you can't speak. I didn't say you were stupid. I'm talking about not being able to express things. Now, I want you to understand that Yahshua has the ability to open up our eyes, to, to heal our blindness. He has the ability, ladies and gentlemen, to cause us to hear and he has the ability to express these things right from within us to others that we will pass this on to. Now, I want to say this. When you see these principles, seeing can only be the effect of having a vision. When you try to explain something you're looking at from a natural standpoint, you're using your sense of vision you're seeing some kind of a scene or you're seeing something that uh, you want to point out to somebody, that vision is allowing you now to express something of what you're looking at from a natural standpoint. Now, when you're on the floor and you're preaching and you're trying to get across a principle, a spiritual principle of what you've learned in class, you can't do that unless you first have a vision. Now, the vision is when Yahshua shows you these principles lining up according to the manifestations that were laid down in the Law and the Prophets that demonstrate these spiritual principles. We are expressing the same vision that the Founder is, only not to the degree that he could express it. Now, I just want you to know that somebody once walked up to Dr. Kinley one time after class and the charts were all up there in the front of the room, and they came up to see him in the front of the room. I believe this is at 1040 Grand Avenue in Los Angeles where they used to have class. Uh, and asked Doc, he said, Doc, 
I would like to have a vision just like you had. Doc was looking at, uh, had his back to the charts and he turned around and waved his arm across the charts, you know, waving it across the charts and help yourself. There's the vision right up there on those charts. So when we go in and show you these charts and we try to show you principles, we are expressing the vision that was shown to the founder. He got it in, he had what they called a panoramic vision. Panoramic means all-encompassing. We're not. We're getting it piecemeal. We're getting line upon line and precept upon precept. And we are able to express to the extent we're able of what we have seen, in other words. So, here's Paul. And he's talking about that wicked self that he was before he came across Yahshua the Messiah, or Yahshua caught him up. Now, let's go back over to the 8th chapter of Romans again, at verse 1, if you don't mind. Romans 8 and 1. And there is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Yahshua the Messiah. Now watch. Uh, uh, Gail, are you still over in Jeremiah 17? Yep, I can get it. Yeah, I want you to read the verse. I want you to read 9 again and then read the verse underneath it. Oh, yeah, we didn't read that. Um, 17 and 9 in Jeremiah. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? I, Yahweh, search the heart. I try the reins, even to give every man according to his ways and according to the fruit of his doings. Now Yahweh is looking down in the depths of your soul. And I want you to know that he sees things down in the depths of your own soul that you yourself are not aware of. People are out here going for counseling, spending thousands of dollars to see if some psychiatrist or psychologist, and I'm not saying they don't serve a purpose, I'm not getting down on psychologists and psychiatrists, trying to get them to understand something about why they think the way they do or why they do the things that they do. Now, Yahweh looks down deeper than you do in the depths of your soul, and he tries the reins, and he searches the heart, ladies and gentlemen. And listen, I want you to know that Yahweh has got you on a journey when he brought you down to Yahshua the Messiah and poured hit and and that spirit was poured out in your heart and mind you are going to have revelations of your own shortcomings revelations of where you were dead wrong where you really didn't see something that you thought you understood all of this stuff is going to happen in your development in this teaching why because what happens is, and there was a very good class given a couple of weeks ago about the metamorphosis of a butterfly. We know that that caterpillar has no characteristics like the butterfly. That caterpillar, all it does is eat and it gets ready for the time when it, well, the, the chrysalis or the cocoon is formed and the, and the, and the caterpillar is down inside that chrysalis and it is completely going to be dissolved. It is going to be completely changed. 
And what will emerge is a new creature. That means every part of it has to be broken down, and then the imaginal disk and, and cells will form that new creature. Now, when you come into class, we are on a journey to become a new creature in Yahshua the Messiah. We are being formed in him. And in order for that to happen, we have to be broken down. Now, Dr. Kinley, in a transcript, said, now, you got to die to go to heaven. I believe that's the name of the transcript. He said, and I'm not talking about hauling your body, your physical body, out to the cemetery. Now, what I want you to know is the old man that we walked in the door, that was us, the old man, the old person, he has to break that down. He has to cause all of that stuff to be broken off and come and be taken away. And then the new creature emerges. And I want you to realize that's the, that is the process of what's going on with each and every one of us in this teaching. None of us are perfect. We are moving towards perfection. And it is Yahshua that will reveal things within ourselves, about ourselves, that we will have to come to grips with and have to face up to it and admit we were wrong and be healed. As Paul said in uh, Hebrews, the 12th chapter, he said, No chastisement seemeth to be joyous, but grievous, yet afterwards it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness to those that are exercised thereby. So we have to be corrected, and we have to endure correction and accept chastisement. And that will cause changes to take place in us that emerges us more and more towards the new creature that we are all being formed in now in Yahshua the Messiah. Now in Romans the 8th chapter, we, we were reading one, and he said, There is therefore now no condemnation to them that are in Yahshua the Messiah. Read. Walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. Read. For the law of the spirit of life in Yahshua the Messiah hath made me free from the law of Now the law of the spirit of life that is in where? In Yahshua. Mm -hmm. That law existed prior to the physical creation being made. Before there was an angel or an angelic creation, or even a physical universe, or even a man, that law of the spirit of life was laid up in that shape, I see the five minutes, laid up in that shape and form that we call element. Get, uh, get to the elementary chart with the circles. Right there. Now when Yahweh took on shape and form in that first circle, nothing has been created yet. But that body in, that we call that superincorporeal body of Yahweh Elohim, who is Yahshua, he laid up a nature in there of divine attributes that were working in cohesion to carry out the purpose. That was a law in of itself. That is a law of the spirit of life. And that's what has to happen in each and every one of us. That same law of the spirit of life has to be formed in us. And that is the Holy Spirit's nature. We become a partaker of the divine nature, as Peter said over there in First or Second Peter, the first chapter, he talks about that. Now, here's what I want you to do. I want you, because I'm out of time, I want you to go down into Romans again, where we were, Romans 8, 
Hang on, I gotta get over there now because I lost my place. Romans 8. And I want to go down further into the chapter. One, I'm going to have to do this quick, so I'm just going to say this. He talks about how the creature was created or made subject to vanity. All right, that's the 20th verse. Uh, and that vanity means emptiness, ladies and gentlemen. Worthlessness. It doesn't have any value. We came into this world in a state of vanity, meaning we had no spiritual attributes that were worthy, that would please Yahweh. And then we have to be broken down and reformed. That's the Reformation. Now, when we go further into this chapter, because I don't have time to, to work this thing out because of, of, with all the verses that are up in front, we find out that, uh, that all things work to the good, to the good uh, of, of, of those that are the called according to the purpose. Now, the the called are those, see, many are called, but few are chosen. The called are those that were called and chosen. And listen, he talks about uh, uh, down here. Uh, I don't. I can't get all this because I'm looking at the clock here. Uh, twenty-seven. Romans eight and twenty-seven. And he that searches the hearts knows what is the mind of the spirit. Now, who is it that searches the hearts? We read that in Jeremiah seventeen. That is Yahshua himself. Read. Because he makes intercession for the sons according to the will of Yahweh. Read. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love Yahweh, to them who are the called according to his purpose. Read. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image You've of his You've been son. predestinated to be conformed to the image of Yahshua the Messiah. And that's what's going on in these classes. You are being conformed to the image. You are being molded and shapen in righteousness by the preaching of the gospel and by the Holy Spirit in you. And that is what makes us to be acceptable to Yahweh so that when Yahshua at the end has to return to the Father with the fruit of his labor, you are the fruit of his labor because you are a reflection of him because the divine nature is being manifested through you. I hope that made some sense. I hope you got something out of it. Thank you for the opportunity. I'll turn it back to the moderator. Peace in Yahshua. Thank you. Thank you to everyone for joining us this evening. Our Madison class holds Zoom class every Wednesday, 7 p.m. Central Standard Time. And we hope that you will be able to join us again. Just a reminder to please stay muted until the live stream has ended. We will now be dismissed by the doxology taken from the last two verses of the book of Jude. Now unto him who is able to keep us from falling and to present us faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy to the only wise Yahweh, our Savior, through Yahshua the Messiah, our Sovereign, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and ever. Let us all say, hallelujah. <laughs>